Uh, so welcome, uh, welcome to, to what we call Vision Dinner. Uh, I think it's been, I don't think we did this last month, so it's been a couple months. Uh, one note about this meeting uh, before, before we move any further into our time together. By the way, I'm going to speak into the microphone because we're taping this. Uh, because there is such a, uh, a there's a smaller crowd tonight, and the things that we talk about are important, and so we want to make them available. Probably, if I'm right, Joe, this will be on the app, and then probably the handout that I have we can also put uh, somewhere so that you can pass those along. What we need you to do is take the information that we give you tonight and really kind of be a conveyor of that of that information of that in, the, in that vision. If you're a community group leader, or if you're in a community group, to your community group, try to dis- you know we we really rely upon those of you who are here, to take the things we talk about, help us on a grassroots level, uh, really um, allow them to kind of get out to the congregation, okay? One of the things that we've done in this meeting uh, over the years is we've, we've been doing it on a monthly basis, but given the fact that uh, things just tend to get, are, are starting to get busier, uh, we have more and more things, excuse me, on the calendar. Uh, one of the things that we've done that I wanted to let you know about tonight is um, moving forward, what we're going to do is we're actually going to um, turn this into a quarterly meeting. So we're only going to do it four times a year. And then we're also going to do corporate prayer on a quarterly basis. So instead of trying to do, you know, in the early days, we did both of those things every month. Uh, and what we found is, is that what we've never, it's amazing. The hardest thing in the world, if you don't know this, the hardest meeting in the world to get people to come to in a church is if you tell them you're going to pray. <laughs> and we've always had trouble with corporate prayer. But um. But but just just for the sense of the, just for the sake of pace and focus, uh, we're we're going to take those two meetings, we're going to condense them, and we're going to turn them into quarterly. You know, so probably it's not going to be exactly every other month, but between um, <clears throat> excuse me, between September and December, we're going to probably do two of each, uh, and then between January and May, we're going to do two of each, and then we're going to take June, July, and August off, and probably take December off too. And try to do four each, which means which means we really um, we really need to push among all of, all of the congregation um, that that these are important meetings, and that we really would love for as many people to come as can, and that because we only have few times to do this together every year, uh, that we really want to make it make it an important uh, an important thing, and ask as many people to come as possible. So please help me with that. Uh, and you'll you're gonna we're gonna do the magnet again, and it'll have the dates. So no excuses. We've planned these meetings and corporate prayer meetings, uh, literally about 15 months in advance now. So we know everything from now until the end of uh, 2016. So there is a change that I wanted to let you know about. So instead of 10 of these meetings a year, there'll only be four. Uh, and our hope is that even as we send the Southwest Church out, that there, I think the expectation is is that they will come back and we'll get to do you know these four meetings together. We'll pray. Uh, together in the corporate prayer. So this is another place where we can be one church, even though we're, we're you know, split up into multiple congregations, okay? Uh, we do call it vision dinner, um, vision dinner, yes, because we eat dinner and we talk about vision. Uh, and I, you know, I, I thought, you know, every time, when, and we, honestly, we put a lot of, we put a lot of work into this. I mean, it's a lot of work for Connie and the ladies that help her. Uh, it's a lot of work to, to figure out uh, what to talk about and, and get that ready. Uh, and it feel I don't know, you know, six weeks into two services, the, planting the church in just a couple of months, uh, all of the, <laughs> believe me, we're exhausted internally, all of the Redeemer this and then Redeemer that, and no, just kidding, Redeemer this instead and that, and all of these things that we've been going through internally trying to re- do a rebrand of our, of our name and, and those things. It feels like there's just been a lot coming. 
And so here I am tonight again, uh, sent to share something. I think that's really going to be really neat and really important for our church. But I thought, you know, it may it may start to feel like, golly, do you guys ever stop? I mean, do we ever? So I thought of the movie uh, Alexander the Great. The, the it's not a very good movie. It's with um, Colin. Uh, who is it that plays Alexander? Do you know what I'm talking about? Angelina Jolie is in it, and um, Colin. Um, it may be Colin Firth. I don't know. Anyway, no, huh? Colin Farrell. Yes, there you go. And Anthony Hopkins, who is Ptolemy. And at the end of the movie, I was, I, it was it happened to be on the other night, and I caught the very very end of it. And these these words from Ptolemy at the very end. Um, actually, they're right there. Uh, just uh, really resonated. I wanted to share them with you, just so that I can, as as kind of a, so if you want to know me a little bit more, maybe. Uh, but he he starts to talk about Alexander. Here's some of the things he says. You see these quotes right there at the top of the page that I gave you. He says, "The dreamers exhaust us. Uh, they must die before they kill us with their blasted dreams." I mean, if you've ever been around a visionary person uh, in a business or whatever it might be, it might feel like, golly, they're never satisfied. There's always something else, something else, something else. And I know that we can be prone to do that to you. And so I just, we, we, I really do think we're, we're a church full of dreamers. And so uh, it's just going to feel that way from time to time. But then he goes on, and I, I love this. He goes on and he says, how can I tell you what it was like to be young and dream big dreams and to believe when Alexander looked you in the eye you could do anything? In, in his presence, we were better than ourselves, and the glory and the memory of men will always belong to the ones who follow their great visions. Uh, and you know you know the story of Alexander, who conquered all of the known world and uh, just just drove his men uh, over and over again. And I love, he go, it's this long, long monologue he gives at the end of the movie, and he goes on to say, all men reach and fail, reach and fail. <laughs> and I thought, that's really true, you know. Uh, but but his next sentence is he's you know and Alexander failed ultimately but I love the very the very last thing he says is his failure towered over other men's successes and I really do think it's a way that we want to do ministry around here we will try anything if you've not figured that out I mean because we've we've said if we're going to go down we're going to go down in a blaze of glory we're going to go down with guns you know pointed we're going to I mean, because we have big things we want to accomplish and we hope maybe maybe it will be that our failures will uh, will tower over. Uh, some of the success of, uh, successes of other people in our city. So bear with us as we keep rolling these vision things out <laughs> for you. Uh, maybe one of these days we'll settle in and slow down just a little bit, although I, I keep saying that, and I just don't know if that's ever going to be the case. Uh, but here's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about something we're going to do, uh, and this is kind of our unveiling, this debuting of this, so to speak, and, and then we'll, we'll have some time to maybe chat tonight. And then this is something that's going to be kind of coming over the next... Um, the next few months, or the next month or so, um, but in a month we're going to do a um, a gospel in the world seminar. If you remember the the gospel in the heart seminar we did, and when was that, Jonathan? Was it in May uh, with the guy from CCEF, which was I, I mean rave reviews from everybody that I know that came. Uh, we have a guy. His, his name is Ray Cortez coming to speak to us. And listen, you, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it often. You do not want to miss. Being able to listen and, and uh, uh, Ray, listen to Ray, he is he is great. He's a pastor in our denomination in um, Crystal River. Uh, he planted a church up there, and so he's going to come. And we're going to spend the whole weekend talking about um, missions and uh, and what it looks like to live missionally in our city and, and in the world. And then on the Sunday after that conference, about a month from now, we're going to take an offering that we hope is going to become an annual 
um, an annual thing that we do, and we're going to call it an annual sacrificial mission offering. Um, and so let me give you some background of why, of why we're going to do this, and Jeff, Jeff's going to come and share something with you in a minute, but about a year ago, gosh, I don't, maybe longer than that, um, about maybe, maybe 18 months ago, a year ago, the pastors in our, uh, in our little circle meet on Wednesdays, and we hosted a meeting where a man from <clears throat> Spanish River Presbyterian Church, which is in Boca Raton, Boca Raton uh, in South Florida, came. His name's Ron Tobias, and he's the executive director. And let me just say, uh, I, am, I am absolutely 100% committed to, um, to this, this, the role that I'm in here at this church unless his job comes open, and then, I, and then I'm going to take his job. Because he, he's the, he's the um, executive pastor of that church and kind of the executive director of their church planting aim. So he literally goes all over the world just checking in with church planters and, and watching church planting things going on. Um, but this is a church that had a vision. Uh, their senior pastor had just a real vision for church planting. And so about 25 years ago, I guess, maybe they just said, you know what? You can't do everything, uh, and we don't want to do everything. We want to do this one thing. We want to be about church planting. And for the last 25 years, they have just said, the legacy of our church is going to be to plant churches. And I don't even know. Jeff, do you know, I mean, what the, what the annual amount is? Yeah. So they've made it to where 20% of their budget goes towards funding church plants. And this is a big church, a very wealthy church. And even beyond that, they have get, I think, I think they, they give close to $2 million a year in funding church planting uh, operations all over the world. Uh, and so I don't even know. How many churches did you say that, that they're involved with this just this year? <laughs> just this year. Uh, and this guy came, and he, and he sat with us, and he just said, look, guys, you, you can't do everything. Uh, you know, you got to decide what your yes is so that you know what your no is. And, and Jonathan and I, honestly, and Jeff were in the room, and we just walked away kind of scratching our heads and saying, yeah, we want to do what they, what they are doing. Uh, and it's an, amazing, it's an amazing church and an amazing ministry. And actually, Jeff has benefited from it, Jeff and Marissa and their, their church. So would you come and just kind of share a little bit about, about your experience with Spanish River so that we can move on from there? Now, I want to, this, is, I want to, this is my favorite story to tell, but th- just so you know kind of how this all happened, why did you go to the boot camp to begin with? So he went to this boot camp where they really kind of teach you about how to preach the gospel concretely in sermons. And he came home, and it was like one of your first sermons here at this church. And I remember he went to that thing, and he, and he called me and said, I'm going to totally change my sermon uh, in light of what I learned this week. And, uh, and so he changed the sermon in light of what he learned that week to really forcefully present the gospel. We had somebody come to faith that morning uh, because of that sermon. And so then we went to, then we went to GA the next year. And we're sitting there at GA. Well, you don't really kind of bop very much at GA, but just kind of we're 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 kind of you know worshiping the GA General Assembly. And we turn around, and here's Ron Tobias, just happens to be sitting in a room of three thousand people standing right behind us. And we turn around and we told him that story, uh, and and all of that led to all of that led to an inter, you know. And then he came here, and then we drove him around when he was here, and then you got and then anyway so. So Jeff, Jeff, I mean, they have, they have given, I mean, I'll let him tell you the story, but that's kind of how he got connected. It was a neat story of the providence of how God did all that that I really love. But anyway. 
Yeah, so it's just really providential. Um, I really didn't have to work hard to build a relationship with them. Uh, when I was sitting in the gospel boot camp, a couple guys, I was, they were like, why are you here? And I said, well, I went to assessment in Atlanta, and they just recommended this, so I'm just here. I said, why are you here? And they're like, well, I'm trying to get money from Spanish River, and in order to get money from Spanish River, you got to do the gospel boot camp. And I said, they give money to church planners? And they said, yeah. And I was like, what's the website link you go to to fill out that application? Um, and so you fill out this long application. And that, so it was just really providential. Then you break into groups. There was like 10 guys, and you do these little sermon uh, things for like five minutes. And the guy who was supervising me and giving me feedback was Ron Tobias, who I didn't know from anybody else. Come to find out he was the executive pastor there. Build a relationship. They invited us to come to their uh, church planner retreat. They do a church planner retreat at their church in Boca every year last year, and while I was there, they asked me to come kind of give my church plant proposal to their board of elders and men, and so that was super intimidating, but Marissa went in there with me, which made me a little bit, and she was like 37 weeks pregnant, so they're really like sympathetic and loving. (laughs) They have a pregnant woman beside you, they're like, these guys are great, you know, Um, and so that went well, and uh, they're giving $50,000 to Redeemer Southwest over three years. so unbelievably generous. And then they, they, they have this retreat every year where they pay for everything. There's no fee. They, 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 they reimburse your travel expenses. They pay for your food. You stay with uh, families in the church. So there's host families. So not only are they generous, they're very hospitable. I mean, the whole church is like, oh, cool, church planners. These are the people we're, like, financially supporting. We can keep them in our house while they're here. Yeah, come on. Um, and they love Anya, which is really cool. I think Joe got a picture from the retreat this year. So that was like, what was that, baby, like a week ago? Like a week and a half ago, something like that. Um, we're over on the left. But those are just the people who are at the retreat, and those are people from all over the world. I mean, at the very end of the conference, you stay all the way through Sunday morning worship where they kind of clap and recognize the church planners. You're in the midst of the congregation, which is really important for those people because they're given all this money. Now they can tangibly grab a church planner's hand and be like, oh, cool, where are you at? What are you doing? And then after, afterwards they do a big picnic, and there's all these tables with your – uh, location on there. So there's like Africa and India and Canada. And then there's like Florida and they're supposed to come talk to you and be like, wow, tell me about your split. So the Florida people, we're just hanging out eating burgers and the cool tables are like Africa, India. So, um, but man, I, if I had to sum them up, they're all in, they're all in. They're unbelievably generous, uh, not only with their money, but with their time, they're hospitable. Um, and just a holistic approach to caring for the church planner, loving, loving you. And you just feel so loved and, and renewed and, um, and really also just a sense of community to be with, with those guys, which is really unique, the networking and stuff. So we're blessed to be a part. We're, we're not only blessed to be a part of the Spanish River Church Planning Network, but also honored to be able to say, yeah, we're part of Spanish River Church Planning Network, which is really cool. And so hopefully we'll get to be partners with them for a long time and even uh, mimic uh, what they do. It's really cool. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you may not even know that. I mean, you may think fifty thousand dollars, wow, but no. I mean, to rejoice with with Jeff, um, he is closing in on having raised three hundred thousand uh, dollars to plant this church. So, um, I mean, that's that's an amazing thing that God's done. But this, but this, I, the way I would put it to you is, when we sat with Ron Tobias, and as I've walked with Jeff through his experience of that church, I would tell you from me, from my 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 heart, and and Jonathan really too, and of course, and David. I mean, just the core of our leadership team. Uh, our experience with this church and our experience with Jeff through the ministry of this church, it's almost as if we said, okay, now we know what we want to be when we grow up. Right? I mean, because they can, they can look, the, here are the thousands of churches that we've had a part of, you know, p- 
planting and starting. And we, we just really believe that, the, that ultimately the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is the charge to not only evangelize but to plant churches and to make disciples. And that that is the work that's been given to the church. And so we really want it to be uh, the work that we more and more and more and more zone in on uh, as, as a network of congregations and churches in our city. So that's kind of some of the background. Now, how, now I don't, we're, not, we're never going to be thousands of people. We're never going to be an $8 million budget. I don't think, um, you know, or they're probably more than that. They're probably like a $15 million budget if I had to guess or something like that because it's a huge church. But um, but in our little part of the world, one of the things, I don't have time to get into this a whole lot tonight because this is more important from a time standpoint. Probably the next time we get together, we'll talk about this. But one of the things that's been going on uh, that I'm really excited about that I've that got, I really feel like I, I'm grateful uh, that I've been able, that I've kind of been able to use some of my gifts to bring some of this about and just the partnership that we have with the other churches in our city. But we, we, have, um, we have created, <clears throat> kind of in theory, but it will hopefully be concrete uh, in the next three or four months, uh, something we've, we're going to call Renew Polk. Uh, and what it is is it's a, it's a partnership of, the, of Trinity and the churches that have been planted out of Trinity and kind of the PCA church, you know, hopefully. And we hope the other PCA churches in the, in the, in the county, but for the most part, our churches, and then with the invitation of anybody to be involved, uh, but where we begin to do what they do, to take a certain percentage of our tithes and offerings, to lay them aside for church planting, uh, so that we can have all the resources that we need uh, for aggressive church planting in Polk County uh, in the years to come. And we have a very simple goal. Uh, and I, if you, Tim Rice, who's the pastor of Trinity, and I kind of call him my pastor, and I, I would have gladly, uh, part, of, part of what I... <laughs> How do I say this? Part of what I really believe that God has um, called me to, even, even in planting this church, uh, I have a burning desire uh, to see Tim's vision uh, for the county that led to the planting of Trinity become a reality. And his ultimate dream was 25 churches. When he planted one church, I mean, can you imagine that? To plant a church and think, this church is going to plant 25 churches. Uh, and so we have said, we have a goal. It's 2015, so by 2035, we want to plant 20 churches in Polk County. That's our goal. Uh, and, and we are aggressively going to begin to start doing that. Uh, and, so, and, and we, as a staff here at our church, uh, our goal, and this might seem, seem um, a little um, uh, too soon maybe, but um, we want to plant, we, we really hope to plant three uh, churches out of this church in the next five years, including, including Southwest. So Southwest is going to go out this year, and then we hope we can get two more in the next five years after that. So I just want all that to say, we, we are really trying to organize and structure ourselves in a way that we can maximize our ability to do the one thing that we feel like God has called us to do more than anything else, and that is to populate Winter Haven and Haines City and Lake Wales and um, Waverly and Juanita and Auburndale and South Lakeland and North Lakeland and... Um, wherever it might be, uh, with with gospel centered uh, churches that faithfully preach the preach the word and uh, administer the sacraments and, and do those things. So that's what we want. That's that's what we want to be known for in twenty five years. Does that make sense? I mean, we can't be known for everything. That is what we want to be known for. Um, you know, above above all else. So what we're trying to do is. So how do we? How do we organize ourselves in such a way that everything, all of the energy that we can muster. Uh, internally uh, can go towards that. Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to not be involved in projects uh, that that. So, 
so there, there are mission projects that are explicitly church planning related, and then there are some that aren't, right? And so if you've been in Nicaragua, for example, Robbie Murray Lathrop, they, they, part of what they're trying to do is church planning, but their ministry is not specifically church planning. They have a pineapple farm. They're using that to do community development. And, they're, and now Tony and Amber are there, and kind of out of that is birthing this church planting movement. But, the, but Robbie and Murray themselves are not really actively involved in church planting. So, see, we want to we focus, in, you know, laser focus on church planting and some of the things that we want to do. But we don't want to miss the opportunity to be involved with people that we love and all these neat things that people are doing all over our city and all over uh, the world. And so one of, the, one of the things that we would like to do then is we would like to move towards what we would call an annual sacrificial uh, mission offering. Okay, but before I get into th- does it, does all that make sense? Can you interact with me a little bit about what we've said so far as, about, as far as a, vi- you know, a, a laser focus on church planting? Anybody? Really good. Thanks. Thanks, Marissa. No, I mean, I, I really, I mean, it's, this is why we do this. It's kind of a town hall thing. So it's, and that doesn't mean, and by the way, Brad, I don't think Brad's like intimidated by that because the whole point, the, the, in order to, no, what I mean is this is not, I mean, there are so many other things that we're doing too, like Heart for Winter Haven is a really big deal. But quite honestly, I think one of the things we're learning is it's going to be a lot easier to do Heart for Winter Haven when we have five or ten churches in the city, Right? So, I mean, it's, it, that's all a part of that. I, but th- this laser focus to say, if, we're, if there's one thing we're going to do, it's going to be this. And we're going to put everything we have behind it. Right? Okay. All right. Just, I'm just making sure. I just want to get a pulse. So, so, then, um, so then one of the ways that we would like to, to be able to, to do that, to have a laser focus on this specific part of the mission that God has given us, but then also not lose the opportunity to be involved in other things is we would like to take up an annual mission offering. Now, how many of you, just, I'm curious, how many of you have ever been a part of a church that's kind of done this sort of thing? Anybody? Where, what church, Jamie, you raised your hand, what, is it Lake Wales? <laughs> okay, really? Lottie Moon, okay, yeah, Lottie Moon offering, but I mean, Lottie Moon was like, you just wrote a check and like sent it off. You didn't know where it went or any of that kind of stuff. That's true. That's true. So yeah, the, the ba- so Baptist churches do do that. I mean, I know David, you've been in a number of churches that have done this too. And, uh, and they're one, one of the um, flagship churches in our denomination in Birmingham used to have a huge drive. And so it's what we'd like to, we'd like to do as well. So let me, let me just talk about this for the remaining few minutes that we have together, okay? So why? Why would we do this? Um, and let me, I'm just going to read to you some of these things. So first... One of our reasons would be as, as God's people, we live by faith and not by sight. And so as such, the vision of the church should be always bigger than what we can plan for in the budgeting process. You understand what I mean by that? I mean, you put together, like, so right now we're putting together our 2016 budget. So in reality, if a missionary comes to us in April of next year, in most cases, the church has to say, you know what, we've already kind of committed our monies for this year. And so, sorry, you know, if you want to get back to us in eight months, maybe. You see, so things lag. And so instead of, you know, and, and, and I think I, we want to be a church where we always have, and, and really God's, it's been this way so far, is where we have more, we have more opportunities than we're able to really get involved in. God's always doing, in Ephesians 3, we read, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, okay? And so we want to live by faith and not by sight. Secondly, we believe that the standard for obedience for Christian generosity is not the tithe. The tithe is a good starting place but it should never become restrictive or a way of minimizing our giving. If so, then it's, it's not serving its purpose. The tithe itself, as practiced in the Old Testament scriptures, would have been far above 10% of a person's annual income anyway. 
And therefore, we should always be challenging ourselves to not stop our giving simply at the tithe. Third, I've always been struck by Jonathan Edwards and his famous sermon on this subject where he says that charity isn't Christian. In other words, you're not allowed to attach that, that, that um, description, that name to it. It's just, it's just charity. Okay? It becomes Christian charity when, when the giving that you're doing begins to hurt. When there's, when, there's, uh, when there's something sacrificial about it, that you have to feel it, he says, or it doesn't count. Okay? Fourth, as I've said, we would like to remove all non-church planning commitments from our annual budget. Now, it's going to require some explanation. Bear with us as we try to communicate that over the next few months. But what we'd like to do, so we have a bunch of commitments that we currently have to, to missions, um, you know, projects, and, and people and groups. What we'd like to do is we'd like to remove all of that from our annual budget so that, again, every, every, every little ounce we can squeeze out of the budget, we can give towards uh, these other goals of church planning. And this would allow us to do that. Okay, fifth, we hope this will actually allow us to increase our contributions to our local and international mission partners. It would also allow us to add mission partners mid-year without having to wait to include them in the budget. And it would also allow us to fund unplanned projects as they come up throughout the year. So right now, if Amber and Tony Ellswick were to call us and say, hey, guys, our car broke down. We really need a new car, you know, and um, it's going to be $7,000. We literally, we don't have a mechanism currently. You see what I'm saying? If we haven't budgeted for that, we don't, I mean, we could go to the congregation and say, hey, we need $7,000. But what we're saying is why don't we preemptively go to the congregation and say, let's, let's get some money so that when Tony calls, we can, I mean, in two hours, we can write a check and have it to him. You see, you see what I'm saying? It just gives us some, some latitude. And then uh, lastly, we're going to connect the mission offering to our annual gospel in the world seminars. So that will allow us to put into action the things that we learn uh, there. And I think that will be helpful. Now, why a sacrificial mission offering? Okay, why do we call it? Why is it that named that? And it's because we're asking you to consider, and, and by you, I mean all of you sitting here, and I mean all of you listening on, the, on this recording and what we're going to be calling the church to, and hopefully our leaders will be leading out in this, but we're going to ask you to consider giving to this offering with monies that are above your regular tithes and offerings, uh, including your end-of-the-year giving. In other words money you didn't plan on giving in 2015 and the next year, 2016, and so forth. You see, we rely on tithes and offerings to pay for staff salaries and facility expenses and ministry and these sorts of things. And the really, I don't know, almost 35% of our annual giving comes in December, <laughs> which means that right now, Max Routon is our treasurer, and Max is like, because it looks really bad right now, but it all, but it all comes in at the end. So we want to be careful is when we start to lay some of this, we can't have money that would normally go to make up that deficit go to something like this instead or else we're not going to be able to make payroll and do those kinds of things. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to guard against that sort of thing. So we rely on the end of the year giving that will come to meet uh, the needs of our annual budget. So turn the page over. So here's what we'd like to do. We would like to have a special offering on Sunday, November 15th in both worship services at the conclusion of our Gospel in the World Seminar. Uh, to allow you to contribute to the mission offering through the end of the year, checks would be designated mission offering. We're going to make little envelopes, uh, and you can enclose them in those envelopes and place them either in an offering plate that we would pass on that morning or obviously in one of the offering boxes. And actually, we're going to allow that to kind of come in throughout the end of the year. But again, we're going to be really careful and say, please, um, please, this is, we're calling you to radical, sacrificial generosity, not to reallocate money that you had already planned on giving this year to these things, we're saying, can we dig a little deeper for the sake of all that God is doing around us in the world? Um, and that's what we'd like to see do. Okay, so what the funds 
the funds that we raise in this mission offering, what would they go towards? And here's how I put this. I say all funds collected through the offering would be set aside in a designated fund to be administered by our, our newly, newly um, commissioned missions committee. And here's what we'd like. Here's kind, of a, here's kind of a guideline for how we'd like for this to go. One half of the funds collected we would like to be distributed to, the lo- to our local mission, mission partners. So here in Winter Haven and Polk County and, you know, Florida and whatnot. So one half of that, one half, so quarter, uh, to go to Hartford Winter Haven because we want to fund Hartford Winter Haven aggressively. Amen, Brad? <laughs> right? We want to do that, and this, is, this will be the way that we do that. Um, the other half to be divided among local partners, such as Life Choice, Mops, Meals on Wheels, and so forth. So these are people we're already giving money to, um, but, you know, instead of this little slice that we kind of, and I'll be honest, I mean, some of those numbers are arbitrary. I mean, it's, hey, we gave $1,200 last year, let's give $1,200 this year, rather than if we do this, and Life Choice says we need a, um, uh, what, what, I mean, we need, we need a, what's that? Yeah, we need an ultrasound suite. Then, then, then we've, you know, we've already built into um, our, you know, our finance is a way to, to really aggressively start to help them do that, okay? So we're not, we're not confined, in other words, to a commitment we made on a piece of paper. Uh, our, committee, our missions team, not committee, our missions team can interact with them and, and, really, and really have some flexibility, and I think it'd be great. The other half, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to um, be distributed to international mission partners, such as, Robin, these are all non-church, non-church planning things, right? Robbie and Murray Lathrop, Jenga, uh, which is the kind of community development group that we've worked with. Robbie, um, not Robbie Lathrop, Robbie Keene. Thank you, jeez. I'm losing my mind. Uh, and, and then some others that we're currently uh, involved with. Now, note, this will not replace our funding of church planning efforts in Nicaragua with the Ellswicks or in France with the Brocks. We would keep them in our budget because they are, they are explicitly doing church planting uh, stuff. It would be given to non-church planting missions efforts, mercy ministry, pastoral theological training, and all of these sorts of things. Those would be the things that we would, that we would be targeting aggressively. So, does all that make sense? Yeah? Questions? Questions? Anybody? I mean, I know I'm not that. I mean, I know nobody has any questions. Y'all are so easy. Or I'm not getting, or or you're not feeling the impact of this yet. Yeah. Okay. You're all introverts, and so you need to go home and think about this and email me later. Okay. Yeah, they think on their feet a whole lot better though. Well, don't want to. It's you can you can read. Um, yeah, Brad. Thank you. I just like questions. It's fun to like you know talk because I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Or clarify for me, Brad. That's okay, too. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. And more direct, we would create, we would create, um, promotional materials, you know, highlight those ministries. Hopefully at our, you know, we'd have as many of them come to our missions conference as can be here so you can see them. And basically what we would be doing is collecting monies in 2015, here at the end of 2015, and those would be the monies that we would distribute during the year in 2016. Does that make sense? And then we would collect in 2016 for 2017 and so forth. Right. 
But hopefully you're right, Brad. Hopefully it would be a, a more direct connection with those ministries because we'd name them. They'd be right there. You'd know what's going to them, and we can report back to you as we take this offering how those things are being distributed and that sort of stuff. Right? <clears throat> so I'm reaching for the stars, um, probably. But remember that whole dreamer thing that exhausts us and that, that, all that at the beginning? But what I'm praying for, what I'm praying for is that our goal my goal anyway for the offering for this year is that we would be able to collect about $70,000, um, which, would, which would be a, uh, a tremendous amount of money to be able to, you know, we would be able to really increase our giving to a lot of things that way. Now, whatever the Lord gives, you know, whatever the Lord brings in, he brings in. And I'm praying that he would open our hearts and open our hands to be generous radically because uh, there is a mission that we've been called to. And, um, and the, the call is not to give 10%. We're going to talk about this Sunday. Uh, it's to give everything, to give uh, according to your means and even to give above your means because uh, it's, it's, worth, it's worth that investment. And so, things are, so this is about a month from now, and so I just wanted to let you guys be aware of this, know that this is coming, know that in the next month we're going to roll this out, and, uh, and we'll be around to answer any of your questions. But any other questions? No, 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 no. Well, I, that, that's actually, I'm, I'm just quoting, I mean, it, it, I, it was quoting the scripture in, in, second, in second Corinthians chapter 8, where the Macedonian Christians who were very poor gave out of their poverty. So I think, I think what it means is not, don't go, we, and by the way, you know, don't go borrow money, don't go borrow money, but, but, um, but you know, Beyond what is safe, I think, is a way you could put that. You know what I mean? So that may be one way of saying it. Tammy, did you have a question? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the Renew Pulp thing that I was talking about. And I'll, and I'll roll that out to you, but basically... With the tithes and offerings of the churches in Polk County, if we're asking for 2.5% of tithes and offerings of all those churches, if we got that, it would be about $100,000 a year. And then uh, the, we really, the men, a lot of lay men in the churches want to reach into the business community and feel like we can raise another $100,000 a year. And so we hope that we could fund, we could, I mean, we could fund all, I mean, I think everybody looking, looking at that said that it, the problem, if, if we're going to plant 20 churches in the next 20 years, the problem is not going to be a lack of funding. The problem is going to be a lack of men. A lack of planters because they they are you know they are rare. What's that? Yeah, especially our kind. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yes. Okay. Any other questions? Exciting stuff. I hope for you. Uh, and I would just say, please pray and consider what the Lord would lead you to do. Uh, if you're listening to this, I don't often talk to people who aren't here and who are listening, but if, you know, it's kind of weird, but if you're listening to this and you're not here, we'd ask the same of you too. Uh, and I just, I pray, I pray that we could give in such a way that we show through our giving the supreme worth of Jesus in his kingdom and it being worth more than any earthly treasure that we might give up in order to, I mean, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And a man went away and sold all that he had to buy the field that he might have the treasure. That's what he's calling us to. So let's, uh, let's finish with that and let's pray. Can we pray? Father, would you move upon us as a church?
uh, toward that kind of giving for your glory, for the sake of your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for your time tonight.